And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with miss attached to it. Bob, listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ, and comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Honey Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the vivacious Lisa Wolf. In this hour, Howard Duff stars as Dashiell Hammett's hard-boiled detective, Sam Spade, from 1948. But first, it's TV Jeopardy. Lisa Wolf Trebek will play audio clips from popular TV shows. I'll try to name the show while you play along at home. Is that how it works, Lisa? That's how it works. You're getting pretty good at this. I have chosen TV shows from the 1960s. Because it's just a great decade for television. Yeah, you were born in that decade. I was born about 20 years later. Um, right, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly how it is. So um, I, you should do really well on this if you were born 20 years later. <laughs> You're going to do really well. All right. I do think you'll know most of these. Um, we'll see how it goes. Okay. Here is the first clip. You're a what? I'm a witch. That's wonderful. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Now, I am a witch. A real, house-haunting, broom-riding, cauldron-stirring witch. That's what you say to Dan every day, right? No, he already knows I'm a witch. Yeah. I don't have to It's been a hectic day That's for both. an easy Just one. getting married is not as easy as it looks. What did I say I was a witch if I'm that's not? that's Durwood there, remember? Agnes Moorhead <laughs> used to call him know. Durwood. I have an and the name of the show is? Bewitched. Bewitched aired for eight seasons on ABC from 64 to 72, starring... Elizabeth Montgomery. As Her dad was Robert Montgomery. That's right. Producer and uh, actor. So and A little nepotism there. Well, I don't mind that. <laughs> <laughs> so in that clip, we heard Dick York, who was on from 64 to 69 as He was Darren. a big radio actor, Dick. Dick right. Dick We've York. talked about him. And then Dick Sargent replaced him from 69 mm-hmm. to 72. And, of course, our favorite, Agnes Moorhead yes. as Andorra. Yes. She was Samantha's so great on mother. And she's a huge radio star. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So they don't make them like they used no. to. No. All right. right. I'm one for one. All right. <laughs> Keeping score? Yes. Okay. Here's the next one. May I ask one question? Okay, but you better make it a good one, because it's the last time I'm talking to you. Go ahead, ask. Okay, Fred. <laughs> Why did you drink my car polish? Car polish? Car polish? <laughs> car polish! I'm poisoned! Do something, Bonnie! Do something! You know, it's so great to hear that, because... We watch Fred Flintstone, right, all the time on TV. But those are two major radio actors. I didn't pick them lightly. Of course, we heard um, Alan Reed. Alan Reed as Fred Flintstone. And, we and, hear uh, him all the time yeah, on radio on shows. shows, and he still sounds exactly 
like well, Fred not Flintstone. still. I mean, unfortunately, I mean, as we listen to him in the radio right. shows, he still sounds and then Mel the Blank way that he used as to. Barney Rubble. Exactly. Yeah. So Flintstones was on ABC from sixty to sixty six, and it was the first animated series to hold a prime time. A slot on television. You know, Jackie Gleason was not happy about this this television show, this cartoon, because he felt like they, Hanna-Barbera, the producers, just ripped off the honeymooners. He really believed that. And, and what when do you, you think? I think so. Yeah, I think I it do was. Too. And, um, and so when he went to his attorney to, you know, maybe sue them, he said, Jackie, do you want to be remembered as the man who sued Fred Flintstone? Right. And so he was like, I guess not. You should use that line next time. (laughs) (laughs) Next time. (laughs) Next time somebody sues you because it happens all the time. I know. Do you really want to be known? Do you really want to be the... That's a good line. All right, so I'm two for two. (laughs) All right. Here's your next clip. Well, what is it? Ham and cheese. Donald, did I get it or didn't I? You want some of my malted? It's good for you. Make you a big star. I got it. I got that part. Oh, is that a big part? But still, it's a part. Oh, Don, I got it. I got it. I knew I'd get it. Oh, gee, I thought you'd be excited. Uh, okay, is this that girl? It is. Oh, gosh. It's that girl. I literally wanted to be Marlo Thomas. She yeah. was something else. So that was Marlo Thomas in that clip. As you would have Anne-Marie. had to dye your hair. I mean, she had That's darker That's okay. Hair. I'll do it. All right. Why not? And that was Ted Bessel playing her boyfriend, right, Don. Donald. That's the Red. only thing that gave it away for me was Don. You know? I just thought it was so exciting that she was young and she was moving to New York City to, you know, an aspiring actress. I don't right. know. That was the dream. Right. So. Wow. Well, here that I am. Girl. I'm so close. <laughs> Did she throw her head up in the air or was that somebody That else? was Mary Tyler Oh, yeah, Mary Tyler Moore, yeah. Right. Get them mixed up sometimes. So close. Yeah. <laughs> but they were both actually very iconic yeah, women who for sure. um, were ahead of their time. I mean, Marlo Thomas, she she's still, you know, doing TV commercials she for- is. For St. Jude's. And, yeah, you know, she does. She looks great. She I mean, does. My gosh. I agree. Yeah. All right, so I'm three for three. All right, here's another Here's another clip. Right. Oh, I know it. Just from the music. I know. I, I gave you some music this time. I never watched this show. I know you didn't. That's why I, I gave you the music. I didn't like this show. I know. I did, though. It's my my three sons. <laughs> well, you're going to say my favorite husband. <laughs> no, my my three <laughs> my sons. My three sons aired from 60 to 62 on ABC. Yes, you got it right. Um, and uh, my three sons chronicles the life of, this was really unusual too. He was a widower mm-hmm. and he was an engineer and um, he raises his three Fred sons. Fred McMurray. Fred McMurray. He raises yeah. the three sons on his own, which was yeah. um, very different for sure. 1960s. Yeah. I mean, the only other one I can think of is, um, you know, Family Affair. He yes. was He was uh, raising. True. By his, his uncle. Right? Yeah, that was, he was the uncle of the three right. kids. You right, know? exactly. But he wasn't married. I mean. Right. So that was maybe the only other one I could think of besides yeah, this. But this sense. might have come first. Uh, this was on from 60 to six, uh, 72. Yeah. 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 Interesting. There you go. All right. Here's, My four for four? Um, that was that was one, two, three, four, five, Carl. Oh, wow. Here's the last clip. Okay. Personal favorite. I'm so glad we had this time together just to have a laugh or sing a song. We just get started And before you know it Comes the time we have to sing So, so long. long 
Well, that's she's, uh, she's pulling her ear right it's an right easy now. one. That's that's Carol Burnett. It sure is. Who you impersonated one time on the radio. I did. I did. You did a pretty good job, Lisa. I thought so. Pretty, pretty, <laughs> pretty, so. pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. So that was on CBS. We couldn't from... get Carol Burnett to be on that that week. So, and so Lisa I said, "Well, I'll just turned into her. I'll just be day. Carol Burnett." I I thought it was fun. You did pretty well. We should find that clip. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, anyways, that was the Carol Burnett show, uh, sixty-seven to seventy-eight, and then uh, in nineteen ninety-one, Carl, you did a bang-up job. Yeah, not bad, right? But there's more to come, so hang on. When we come back, it's Sam Spade Detective starring Howard Duff. See you in a bit. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. This is Hollywood 360, heard on hundreds of radio stations coast to coast. So happy you're with us. Lisa Vivacious Wolf, my co-host here. Every week we come here and do a five-hour show for you. And thanks for joining us. It's time for Sam Spade, Detective. One of the most famous detectives of all time, created by Dashiell Hammett, of course, for the movie The Maltese Falcon. And uh, Sam Spade was a hard-boiled detective, cold detachment keen eye for detail, and he was determined to achieve his own justice, as you'll hear on every one of these radio shows. Humphrey Bogart played him in the 1941 film, The Maltese Falcon, and then five years later, William Spear, one of radio's biggest producer-directors, decided, hey, let's uh, bring Sam Spade to radio. It would be big. And he hired a newcomer by the name of Howard Duff. We all know who he is now, but at that time, he was just breaking into radio. And um, these were all uh, very well done. Probably one of the most expensive detective shows on radio. You'll hear a full orchestra. You'll hear all these great supporting characters. This episode is called The Bluebeard Caper from August 8th, 1949, sponsored by Lisa's favorite, her favorite hair tonic, Wild Root Cream Oil. And she uses it it all the time. Yeah, it's greasy, but it's good. (laughs) Here's part one of The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective. The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective, brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic, the non-alcoholic hair tonic that contains lanolin. Wild Root Cream Oil, again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. Sam Spade, Detective Agency. Same what, sweetheart? Oh, Sam! How did it go? Well, it uh, wasn't exactly a ten-in-one outfit. Uh, more of a mud show, dog and pony type, you know, rag front. Sam, what are you talking about? Hmm? And by the way, where were you last night? I uh, missed the last bus in from the cow palace, so I had to do a star pitch. Connie talk at. Oh, if you think I'm going to ask what a star pitch is, you're mistaken. What were you doing at the cow palace? Oh, just bullying around. Oh. Sam? Yes? Um, Sam? Yes? Sam, You ask too many questions. Sweetheart, in the patois of the carnival, I'll be right down to pitch my spiel, spiel my pitch, and make with the canvas on the bluebeard caper. Dashiell Hammett, America's leading detective fiction writer and creator of Sam Spade, the hard-boiled private eye, and William Spear, radio's outstanding producer-director of mystery and crime drama... Join their talents to make your hair stand on end with the adventures of Sam Spade. 
Presented by the makers of Wild Root Cream Oil for the hair. And now, with Howard Duff starring as Spade, Wild Root brings to the air the greatest private detective of them all in the adventures of Sam Spade. Ready, Effie? Yes, Sam. By the way, what is a star pitch? Hmm? Oh, your clothes. You look as if you'd slept on the ground. Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, date, August 8, 1948, to Detective Lieutenant Dunty, homicide detail, San Francisco Police. From Samuel Spade, license number 175596. Subject, the uh, Bluebeard Caper. I uh, will not offer as an extenuating circumstance the fact that business is bad all over. But it is true that I've been sitting in my office for four hours and the phone had not rung once. This one didn't phone. From the looks of him, he didn't have the required nickel. But the hangover he was wearing under his eyes had cost someone a pretty penny, so I figured his credit might be good somewhere. Uh, Mr. Spade? Yeah? Oh, my head. Yeah. Try this. Oh. Want it mixed? Oh, uh, no, no, no soda. I couldn't stand the noise. Where'd you wake up? In these same clothes. Figures. Uh, it, it all started at my sister's engagement party. Uh, mint juleps. Mm-hmm. They must have been full of flukum. Flukum? Uh, you don't happen to have an ice bag. It's customary for my clients to bring their own. Oh. Well, now here's a spiel. Uh, did I tell you my name? The name you gave my secretary was Ned Towers. You want to stick with that? Uh, yeah, Ned. Uh, Ned Towers, yeah. Uh, it, it's about my sister. She's... Um, her name? Uh, Sylvia. Sylvia Towers. Uh, Sylvia Towers. Uh, uh, but it's not about her, really. It, it's about that bluebird. I, I mean, bluebird she's marrying. Uh, Jefferson Davis Calhoun. What about him? Oh, that, that marriage has got to be stopped. I found out that his name's not Calhoun at all, th- that he's been married three times under three different names, and that all his wives died mysteriously, and, and that he collected their insurance, and now he's talked my sister into insuring herself for 100000 bucks in his payment. When did you learn all this? In a barbershop yesterday. Oh. I, I went in to get a manicure, and I picked up this old detective magazine. Here's his picture. Uh, look at it. <laughs> I had heard of the case. In his heyday, the papers had called him the Mint Julep Romeo. And any name he happened to be using at the time had Colonel in front of it. None of his three wives had survived the honeymoon. Wife number one, an aviatrix, bailed out at 10,000 feet over Mount Hood along with her husband. His parachute opened, hers didn't. They found the body the following spring. Wife number two, a snake dancer, died of snake bite when she squared off with a full-fanged diamondback instead of her usual non-poisonous partner. The cause of death was never officially proven because the body was embalmed by mistake, it said there, before the coroner arrived. And finally, number three, a professional stunt woman, disappeared over Niagara Falls in a beer keg instead of her specially designed barrel and was never seen again. Well, Mr. Spain. Yeah, but are you uh, sure your sister's fiancé, this uh, Calhoun, is the same guy? Well, here's a picture of them together. Their engagement photograph. What do you think? Hmm. Brunette? My sister? Redhead. Uh, that's him on the left. Redhead? Well, uh, Mr. Towers, are we going to sit idly by and see another poor girl go to her death? How much money you got? About $100. I'll take 50 now. You are going to help? How much does she already know? I tried to tell her. She's beautiful. She wouldn't even listen. I thought she might listen to you. I pray she will, Ned. I pray she will. Oh. 
were two aspects of the case that I wanted to look over more closely. A, Sylvia's red hair, and B, the red splotches on my client's face. I had a hunch she might be suffering from more than a hangover. So I dropped him at the address of a medical friend of mine who specializes in poisons. He said the tests would take most of the afternoon, so I decided to find out who was Sylvia, what was she, was she as kind as she was fair. Such a face as drifts through dreams. Yes? Yes. I beg your pardon? Miss Towers? Yes, I'm Sylvia Towers. Are you the florist? You're expecting maybe a detective? Come in. Thanks, I will. Well, as a matter of fact, I wasn't expecting a florist or anyone else. But I'm glad to see you. I really am. Huh? Sit down here. I was just relaxing. Oh, no, over here. Oh. Well, why not? There. Isn't this more cozy? Yeah. Take your hat off. Oh. You'll have me believing you really are a detective. What do I look like? Well, I'll have to mull it over. Now, don't tell me. Let me dream. Look, Sylvia, uh, Miss... Uh... Powers, I mean. Oh, Sylvia, I like the way you dress. Nice and casual. Oh, you do? But, you know, you really should wear a handkerchief. Hey, hey. <laughs> you ticklish. Well, look, if you want to frisk me, get it over with. It's your apartment. you got a right to. Well, isn't this way nice? Sure, it's fine. It's just that, uh, well, you know, I just didn't expect. I uh, just didn't expect. Well, what do you want, a butterfly act? No, it's just that my feelings have hurt you. Haven't asked me who I am or what I'm doing here Anything. Oh, I don't care. I like you. Is this how you got engaged to Calhoun? No, he was selling some phony stock certificates, so I bought a few. They were phony, so you bought a few. Figures? He'd had bad luck with marriage. It was the only way I could force the issue. You're forcing him into marrying you? Darling, don't be so critical. I did it very nicely. I'm sure you did, but why? Oh, I don't know. He's so, so courtly. A real southern gentleman. How real? Uh, hand me that cushion, darling. All right. Oh, no, here, behind my head. Oh. Oh, that's better. Oh, don't go away. Why do you want to be number four on the Bluebeard Parade? Oh, do you really think he did kill them? Oh, that's one of two theories. He either did or he didn't. Oh, I love your hair. <clears throat> So nice, bristly. Does this bother you? Yeah, but don't stop. Uh, now, uh, wait a minute. Look, I've uh, I got my client to think about, and I'm, I'm trying to think about it. Darling. I didn't want to take this assignment, but he really seemed to be worried about you. Oh, now, who on earth would be worried about me? I'm a little worried about you myself, and I'm not even distantly related to you. Well, don't say that yet. This marriage may not last long. Don't you say that. Oh, I know his marital life has been full of tragedy. But I'm not superstitious. I think I may change his luck. Okay, Sylvia, okay, it's your life. I told your brother I'd talk to you, and I have. My brother? Yeah, Ned. I think maybe your boyfriend tried to poison him last night. Oh, no. Aha! I... Uh -huh. Oh, Jeff, you're just in time. Well, my dear, we will discuss this further in private. I have only this to say at the present time. In the South, it is not customary for a lady to receive a gentleman alone just prior to her marriage to another gentleman. But, Jeff... I know your motives were pure and innocent. Customs differ, that's all. I am Colonel Calhoun at your service, sir. I'll uh, call you when I need you. I'm afraid I must ask you to remain. 
Sylvia? Oh, Jeff, I meant to tell you. It was just a flirtation. Yeah, I didn't all. think it... You mean well, she didn't think. he made certain proposals? Well, what well, could I do? What could she do? He said there were things in your past, Jeff. Yeah, that's what I said. Things that... Oh, well, there, there, my dear. It was blackmail. That's all I wanted. I did it for you, Jeff. Go to your chambers, you. Sylvia. I will deal with this adventurer. If this were the South, there would be better ways. But never fear. Where there's a Calhoun there, too, you will find Southern chivalry. Please. No, Jeff. Phone the police. Sylvia, I must insist that you do as I say. Very well, Jeff. You know best. Well, son, how about you and me putting our heads together over little old mint julep, huh? Thanks, <laughs> I'm not thirsty. Uh, what's the pitch, Colonel? How come your girlfriend yelled, hey, Rube, just now? What is your asking price, sir? Let's hear a bid. Uh, 5000 now, 5000 after she's buried, 20000 after the insurance people pays off. No dice. Caper's worth a hundred grand. Fifty for me, fifty for you. That is out of the question, sir. Okay, from here I go to the cop. Uh, now, son, let's not be hasty about this. It will require a slight change of plan, but, uh, I reckon I can swing it. All right, fifty-fifty. When are you gonna knock her off? Shh, shh. You want her to fly the coop? Is there another way out of here? Well, not that I know of, but, uh, she's crafty. She's crafty. Well, come on, let's get it over. Yes, you're right. Maybe now or never. That's right. Sylvia? Hey, wait a minute. Huh? Come here. What is it? How are you going to do it? Well, hit her with this and then out the window. Let me see then. Gee, that's got quite a heft to it. Where'd you get this sap? Souvenir of Niagara Falls. Know where you're going to get it? Why, you Yankee! Both those guys have deeper voices than me, Lisa. I'm jealous. You should be, Carl. <laughs> Howard, <laughs> You're on the radio, you know. Howard Duff and William Conrad. That's Cannon there. Right. Now Cannon. I remember him. All right. More of Hollywood 360 after this short break. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, and Suspense, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows, along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Lisa Wolf and I co-host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. One of my heroes is a man named William F. Buckley Jr. You might remember him as the host of Firing Line on PBS. He hosted it for more than three decades. Anyway, Buckley got his start as founder of the magazine National Review back in 1955. And even back then, we had problems with sensationalistic, sloppy journalism, and he thought Americans deserved a serious conservative voice in the public square. National Review was the answer to that problem, 
and they are continuing that legacy today. We're proud to be partnering with National Review here at Hollywood 360. More than 65 years later, they are still committed to producing serious journalism from a conservative perspective. If you're looking for a serious news source grounded in America's founding principles, we have a special offer just for Hollywood 360 listeners. Whether you like to read online or prefer a good magazine in your hands, you can start reading today by going to nationalreview.com slash Hollywood for 60% off any subscription. That's nationalreview.com slash Hollywood. Save 60% off of any subscription. We love National Review. I've been reading it forever, Lisa. I mean, forever. Wow, that's a long time. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know. a lot of years. I know. Hey, you know what, folks? We're on the air every week bringing you a five-hour show, and we always get emails from people saying, boy, our radio station here in Bangor, Maine, or, you know, Biloxi, Mississippi, or wherever you're listening to our show, Coast to Coast, they'll say, well, you know, we miss, they're only playing three hours, or they're only playing two hours, or whatever the case may be. Well, you are missing out because we do a five-hour show. There's five half-hour classic radio shows in that five-hour show. We have games, we have celebrity guests, all kinds of good stuff. And we have, uh, actually, it was Lisa's idea. I'm going to give you full credit for this, Lisa. Full, full credit. Nobody can see your thumbs going up. I know. I was trying to be quiet because you were speaking. She just did a double thumbs. She thought of this. She was like, you know what? We should make our show available via podcast so that all of our listeners across the country, if they don't get the full five-hour show on their radio program, you know, we should be able to send it. Actually, email it to them. And we do. We email thousands of people every single Monday They get the full show that we did the previous weekend. Now, we do have a charge a little bit, very tiny, teeny, teeny wit, just to cover our cost. Well, that's what I was going to say. We want you to have it at our cost. It's our cost. It's just for the bandwidth and the mail chimp that sends it out and all that. There is some cost. It's, it's, are you ready for this? A whopping $1.50 a week. That's all it costs. We bill you $5.99 a month. So you're getting the full five hours for amortized at a dollar fifty a week, full five hour program. So to sign up, it's really easy. Go to our website, Hollywood360radio.com. That's our official website, Hollywood360radio.com, or call and speak to a live operator that'll sign you up, right, Lisa? That's right. Here's the number. It is 815-900-7535. I'll say it one more time, 815-900-7535. Give us a call. We'd love to uh, hear from you and sign you up. Yeah, that way you won't miss a single second of Lisa's vivacious voice, right? Right. All right. We're listening to Sam Spade Detective, sponsored by Wild Root Cream Oil. Lisa buys this in, like, what do you get it in, buckets? And well, just, at Costco, you know, they yeah, have, yeah, they the have big, the, the giant, big amount. What do you think? How do I look? A little greasy. Yeah, a little it's bit, a good look, it's though, It's an oily, kind of greasy thing. No, I brush it through. It, it looks it good. Smooth. I mean, it looks pretty good. Thanks. Yeah. Um, remember, like, Brill Cream? I remember my brother with Brill Cream. Like, he would take, I mean, who would put this stuff, this, like, greasy I mean, I told I, you it's a look. Carl. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Wild Root Cream Oil, and you hear they have these great commercials at the yeah. end of the show. These guys are like, "Get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie." That's yeah, you know? good. It's, you know? it's good. Yeah, it's good stuff. You should try it. 
Yeah, maybe I will. <laughs> hey, give Carl, a, whatever helps. Give you me know? a half a bucket of it. <laughs> okay. The Bluebeard Caper, Howard Duff starring along with uh, William Conrad, Lorene Tuttle, a lot of other great actors in this is heard on CBS. Here's the conclusion now to the adventures of Sam Spade Detective. The souvenir of Niagara Falls was deadlier than I thought. The blow spun him around like a top, and he went down on the other side of the room, taking the bar and the mint julep ingredients along with him. I headed for the room Sylvia had disappeared into. But she had already disappeared out of it. I looked in the closets, the bathroom, under the bed, tapped the walls for secret panels, and then forced myself to look out the only possible exit, the open window. Ten stories sheer drop to the street. Two stories sheer unclimbable masonry to the roof. Now get this, Dundee. No other exit, no horizontal ledges, drain pipes, niches, cornices, not even a helicopter landing. I asked myself, who is Sylvia? What? Is she? The makers of Wild Root Cream Oil are presenting the weekly Sunday adventure of Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, Sam Spade. There was no use wasting any time trying to figure out how Sylvia had done whatever she had done to escape from that escape-proof room. There was nothing of interest in it but a diving helmet, deep sea type, and the current issue of Billboard, a magazine which records the movements of show people. Under uh, carnivals and tent shows, an item was circled. Colonel Carlyle's Carli- <laughs> colossal carnival and tent show, which was currently playing San Francisco out by the Cow Palace. That reminded me of the colonel in the next room. I went in to hit him again, but somehow his not being there didn't surprise me a bit. What I found on the roof did surprise me a little. It was a rope and grappling hook, human fly type, which fitted with the circusy aspect the caper was beginning to take on. But I'd never have taken Sylvia for a stunt woman. I uh, did a knee, uh, deep knee bend to get into condition for what lay ahead, slid down the banister to the top floor, somersaulted into an elevator, and rode it down to the lobby, no hands. Pausing only to acknowledge the applause of the scrub woman, I skated on over to the phone booth. Sylvia's hands like the night. Uh, uh, Dr. Mandel's office. Bernie, Sam Spade. Oh, say, I'm glad you called, Sam. That uh, patient you brought in here, uh, Ned Towers? Yeah, what about him? Well, your hunch was right. There was enough poison in him to kill him twice. Uh And that ain't all. He dead? Mm, No. Then what's all? Well, his stomach had enough foreign objects in it to keep all the newspapers in town in Monday morning feature stories for the rest of the year. What type foreign objects? Oh, uh, glassware, spoons, hunting knives. Well, nothing valuable. Where'd you send him? Oh, he, he wasn't a hospital case, Sam. Enough poison to kill him twice, glassware, spoons, hunting knives, and not a hospital case, huh? The poison, he's uh, developed an immunity. The other stuff, uh, it's harmless. Harmless, huh? Do you want me to send you the complete report? Uh, no, no, forget it, Bernie. You've given me enough. Thanks. From then on, Dundee, it was uh, mostly entertainment. I uh, headed for the carnival grounds outside the town, and uh, Colonel Carlyle's Carlossal Carnival Intensio unfolded before my very eyes just west of the Cow Palace. My is brought to you in the interest of artistic endeavor. 
Mademoiselle Mahala, the favorite dancing girl of the Sultan of Zanzibar, brought direct from the perfume gardens of the Mystic Orient. Every muscle of a gorgeous body shakes. And now, now, ladies and gentlemen, in the interest of science and the furtherance of national defense, one of the medical miracles of the 20th century. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, a man with the iron stomach and the asbestos esophagus, Professor Filator. Professor, if you please, sir, give the folks a sample of your control over the fiery element. I will light the torch and hand the to the professor. And now, Professor, if you will kindly... The coach dancer left me cold, but the uh, fire-eating professor looked hot. It was none other than my client, a man who called himself Ned Towers. I moved as close to the platform as I could without setting fire to myself and caught his eye. When he caught mine, it singed my eyelashes. Hey, scramble, I got my act to do. I can't talk to nobody. Where's the colonel? Uh, there ain't any colonel, just for the banner tack. Where's your sister? I ain't got no sister. Then who is Sylvia? Hey, do me a favor, Shamus. Keep the 50 and forget the whole pitch. Now be it, huh? Oh, I want to see the show. Okay, you paid for your duck. Stare your eyes out if you want to. Okay, but just start squawking. They're drifting away. And that, ladies and gentlemen, that was only a sample. Only a sample. Why, he eats the stone and throws the beach away. And he uses powdered poison on his soft-boiled legs. Now tell me, if you will, is there a doctor in the cloud? I uh, drifted on down the midway. There was uh, Puna Puna, nature boy. Gilda and Hilda, the Siamese twins. There was Shorty, the fat man, and Fatty, the short man. A bearded lady and several natural freaks of nature. At the very end, there was a big canvas enclosure. The act was called the Three Death-Defying Darlings. From the noise inside, I judged that to be an understatement. I bought a ticket and got inside just in time to see a trim, energetic blonde in tailored coveralls crawl out of the twisted wreckage of the car. She'd just driven point-blank into a concrete wall at an advertised speed of 80 miles an hour. She took a bow, tripped lightly out of the ring, and a brunette about the same size and shape, but wearing a costume consisting mainly of three live rattlesnakes passed her coming in. I swear she did. I also swear that she danced so well I didn't even notice the snakes after I got used to them. Before the lead snake had taken its final bow and wriggled out of sight, a redhead in green coveralls appeared at the top of a 60-foot tower. She climbed into a barrel and some stupid fool pushed her off. The tank she landed in was no more than three feet across and couldn't have had more than a foot of water in it. But she emerged from the splinters with her face wet and some of the greasy carnival-type makeup washed off. The red-headed branch of the death-defying darlings was, you guessed it, that miraculous escape artist, the one and only Sylvia. I was anxious to meet the rest of the act, so I vaulted over the canvas to their trailer dressing room. There was a sinister buzzing sound at my ankles as I entered. I jumped out of the way just in time to miss getting bitten by one of the brunette's dancing partners, the Diamondback. Sylvia looked at me pityingly, grabbed it expertly just behind the head, and shoved it down into its basket. Sam, you should have known better than to come in here unannounced. Strangers make Salome terribly nervous. Then we're even. How did you know I was here? I didn't. I was looking for my client. Then you are working for Ned. Who else? Well, when I heard you bargaining with Jeff, I didn't know what to think. Before that, I'd been so sure. Look, sweetheart, I haven't been sure of anything in this caper from the start, least of all you. 
No matter how sure I get, I still won't believe it. Look at me, Sam. Touch me. I'm only flesh and blood. Yeah, well, anyhow, uh, how did you uh, meet yourself coming on with the snakes when you went out in the coveralls? Oh, zippers. I was wearing the snakes underneath all the time. Snakes were... Doesn't the autocrash make them nervous? Oh, no. They're used to it. Mother trains them. That was after father... Never mind your family. Let's talk about you. All three of you. Well, after mother and father... Well, the act was a threesome, you see, and they wouldn't keep me on as a single. Yeah. So Jeff Calhoun worked out a routine so only one of me would be on at one time. That figures. How often do you uh, come out of it alive? You mustn't say things like that, even in joking. I'm terribly out of condition. I haven't had a real workout since... Since you went over Niagara Falls and that beer keg? And by the way, how did you manage that? It's simple. Relaxation. Secret of everything. I could teach you that, Sam, darling. Mm-hmm. Jeff could never learn it. How long do you think we'd get away with it, sweetheart? Aren't you taking rather a lot for granted? Maybe not enough. So far as I know, you've only been killed and resurrected three times. Darling, if it frightens you, I promise I'll never do it again. How did you drop 10,000 feet without a parachute? Oh, that Mount Hood stunt? Mm. I crash-landed the plane, set fire to it. There were witnesses. Something dropped. Nothing but a weighted flight suit. Whose body was that they found? There are always bodies when the snow melts. By the time they get to them, they could be anybody. Oh, that's a relief. Uh, What about that other body? Which other one, darling? When you were embalmed after the snake bite. Oh, oh. Well, Jeff just claimed somebody from the morgue that nobody else wanted. Don't be so critical, darling. We didn't hurt anybody. Better not try to tell that to those insurance companies. Well, they should be happy. Jeff says it helps them with their taxes. Does it make you happy? Dying and being dug up every year or so? Well, it's better than doing it every night. But I couldn't go back to Jeff. He lost his nerve after Ned found out. You see, Ned's the only one left who knew me in the old days. If I were dead, he couldn't prove anything. Jeff really meant to kill me this time. What was Ned after? Blackmail? Oh, no. He wanted me back with the show. He hired you to frighten Jeff into letting me go. After all, I am the best threesome in the business. Well, anyway, in the stunt field. Did you see my review in Billboard? I saw for myself. You know something. I was thinking. With all you know about crime... Don't say it. Darling, it's so easy, and we could have a honeymoon every time I I came back and we got married again. Thanks for the offer, but if I get married, I want my wife to stay alive every night. But I wouldn't really be dead. Only legally, for the insurance. Only legally, Sam. Come here. Oh, Sam, darling. Look, uh, (laughs) sweetheart, let's not relax. You're not safe. Not as long as that insurance policy's floating around with Jeff's name on it as beneficiary. You'd never think of looking for me here. All the same, you better take that policy into town in the morning and make some changes. Where is it? Oh, it's in my safe. You got a safe here in this trailer? Well, it's just a secret place. I only call it a safe. But it is safe. Oh, uh, I thought I'd find you here. But I hardly expected to see Mr. Spade. You don't surprise me a bit, Bluebeard. Hello, Jeff. Sit down and stop waving that revolver. What do you want? That policy. I heard every word you two have been saying. Not that that piece of paper means anything. You won't even be around when the bank's open. But having the original policy in my hand will save a lot of delay, red tape. Of course, Jeff. Where is it? Uh, oh, what's the use? It's in the basket, right by the side of your chair. Wait a minute. Don't move, Spade. If you do, I'll blast you. Listen to me. Don't raise so that lid. So this safe. Still a child, aren't you, Sylvia? Don't do it, Calhoun. Don't do it. <laughs> And that lieutenant dare took the lid right off of the caper. 
Due to my Boy Scout training, my split-second timing, and the fact that Salome's fang missed an artery by a thirtieth of an inch, I understand uh, Calhoun will live long enough, which, as far as I'm concerned, is any length of time you care to name. About Sylvia, I uh, really don't know how to advise you there, but if you're uh, planning on charging her with attempted homicide, you'll find that there are three Darling sisters listed as U.S. citizens and residents of California. It might be hard to figure out which one of her to indict. Period. Uh, end of Nightmare Alley, Bluebeard Division. Any uh, questions, F? Oh, just one, Sam. A grammatical error, but I'll correct it. And just whom do you think you are to be correcting my grammar? Who, Sam? Nominative case. Nominal. Nominative, Sam. The most frequently used cases in English are nominative, accusative, and possessive. Mm. Now, I'm referring to your sentence which reads, it might be hard to figure out which one of her to indict. Yeah. Of course, you meant them, since they're three darling sisters. Her uh, being singular. Indeed, her was singular, Effie. Oh, Sam, you made a joke. Yeah, it's a very small one. Now, uh, type that up and leave my grammar as is. It's colorful. Oh, very well, Sam. I'll just fix the syntax as I go along. Syntax? In California? Say, are you looking for a hair tonic that will groom your hair neatly and naturally? Then you're looking for Wild Root Cream Oil. Want a hair tonic that relieves annoying dryness? Get Wild Root Cream Oil. Like a hair tonic that removes loose, ugly dandruff? The answer again is Wild Root Cream Oil. The famous hair tonic that gives you the big advantages men consider most important. Step up to your drug or toilet goods counter first chance you get and ask for Wild Root Cream Oil in the big economy bottle and the handy new tube that's easy to pack when you travel. Also, ask your barber for a professional application of Wild Root Cream Oil hair tonic. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. She was only one girl, so I left it to her and made the correction back farther. Back where, Twinkle Toes? just prior. Hmm? Twinkle Toes. Hmm. You know, where you said three darling sisters, I changed it to one. That's impossible. It takes two to make a sister. That is not funny, Sam. Who's laughing? It's no laughing matter, Sam. After all, that Sylvia, the darling sister, whatever she's... And I don't care if she can go over Niagara Falls in a barrel. Let's get it right, up. Beer keg. In fact, the only funny thing is you being taken in. After all, snake charmers of that type are a dime a dozen. Oh, here's 20 cents. Phone up that place. What place? Where you get the red-headed snake charmers, 12 for 10 cents. Dime a dozen, Sam. It's a figment of speech. Mm, you can say that again, sweetheart. Tending to be three people, all with different hair, and wearing snakes under a coverall. Oh, Effie. No normal girl would do that, Sam. Hmm, I don't know. Women do all kinds of work. Uh, oh, Sam... Why can't I be an adventurous like some girls are? I wouldn't trade you for 30 cents worth of snake charmers. Oh, Sam. That's the nicest thing you ever said to Well, me. next to the nicest. Good night, Sam. Good night, Salome. Twinkle Toes. The Adventures of Sam Spade, Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, are produced and directed by William Spear. Sam Spade is played by Howard Duff. Loreen Tuttle is Effie. The Adventures of Sam Spade are written for radio by Bob Tolman and Gil Dowd, with musical direction by Lud Gluskin. 
Join us again next Sunday when author Dashiell Hammett and producer William Spear join forces for another adventure with Sam Spade. Brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. This is Dick Joy reminding you to... Get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. It keeps your hair in trim. You see, it's non-alcoholic, Charlie. It's made with soothing lanolin. You better get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. Start using it today. You'll find that you will have a tough time, Charlie. Keeping all the gals away. Hiya, Baldy. Get Wild Root right away. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. All right, that's the adventures of Sam Spade Detective, August 8th, 1948. That's the Bluebeard Caper, sponsored by... Wild Root Cream Oil Charlie. Um, as heard on CBS, Howard Duff starring as Sam Spade. Hope you enjoyed that. Time for this month in music history, right, Lisa? That's right, Carl. And we are going back to the 1990s with this song. Goodbye, England's Rose. This is Elton John. Good boy, Norma Jean. But this is about, I know... Hang on. This is about well, Princess Diana. Right? That's right. He this is called this. Candle in the Wind 1997. It's rewritten and re-recorded version of the 73 song Candle in the Wind and released as a tribute to Princess Diana. So wait a minute. Candle in the Wind came out in 1973? That's correct. Oh my gosh, I'm old. It seems like, it seems like so... Doesn't seem like that long ago. That's forty years ago. That's forty. That's forty years. Fifty years ago. That's how long. Fifty it is. years ago. My goodness. Yeah. So it's a really cool remake. Yeah. And um, he, he won the Grammy Award for this. Yeah, he was good pals with Princess Diana. Yes. Yeah. He was. All right. Well, thanks, Lisa. Sure. Long before. I'm trying to get a record deal out of it. Yeah. Maybe Elton John will hear you and give you a call. Never know. What do you think? Who sings better, me or I don't, Elton let John? Me hear, let me hear you a little bit longer. Goodbye, Norma Jean. Yeah. Pretty good. Who's better, me or Elton? Uh, it's kind of a toss-up for All me. Right. All right, we'll be exciting. we'll be right back. Stick around. More of Hollywood 360 after this short break. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. In our next hour, it's a comedy episode of the Red Skelton Show from 1951. Around Halloween, he was really popular, that Red Skeleton. Oh, well, if you say it that way, maybe. <laughs> you know? And then we have Jory, a good pal in the studio. She's going to be my helper on Beat the Host. That's right. All about Orson Welles, born May 6th of 1915. You know what I say about him? What? Oh, Wells. Oh, Wells. Yeah. That's a good one, Carl. Oh, Wells. That's funny. All right, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Jared Sebesti, your host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. 
Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years, retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurpose on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.